Well, hello there and welcome in to what is a special edition of the Last Word on Sports Media podcast. I am the somewhat competent host, TJ Reeves, and I'm doing this through the magic of all the technology and the fact that we've advanced so much in 2023 that the host is actually on vacay this week with the family. Yes, part of the summer, part of a school teacher employed wife, part of two teenage daughters as they do get summers off. And since I don't want to end up in divorce court, uh, we are on vacation for this week. So I've enlisted some help with a good topic that I'm going to explain in a moment or two. Thank you for finding us as part of uh, the Last Word on Sports Media podcast feed. It not only contains this show, but George Offman's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, Chicago-based storytelling sports media podcast. Great guests on that podcast. Usually a Chicago flair, sometimes local, but a lot of times even broader outside of Chicago with some of the biggest names that have covered Chicago sports or have a tie to Chicago that you may not have uh, been aware of. Again, George is on this feed early on in the week. We come midweek, and then later in the week is the Announcer Schedules podcast. Phil DeMont-Mullen, who handles the Announcer Schedules Twitter handle, Announcer Skeds. Uh, he and Mike Gill, who's based out of South Jersey and Atlantic City, love those guys together. Announcer Schedules podcast right here on this feed. We're rocking along all through the summer. Make sure you follow. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get podcasts. We appreciate that. We appreciate our partners at LastWordOnSports.com and aggregate all the content there with their podcast. With all the disclaimers out of the way, thank you, thank you, thank you for finding us. So I decided to do something while away on vacation that's not so much centered on current immediate news, although there's a lot of it for right now. We'll pause away from that and talk about the first six months kind of overall, generally, of 2023. To help me do that, we've got three different guests. Ken Fang of Awful Announcing, who I I think I, I modestly say I must be doing something right because I keep reaching back out to him and he continues to come on because if I had screwed this up, he would have said, lose my number. He would have done like an Aaron Rodgers to Aaron to Adam Schefter, lose my number. Ken Fang of Awful Announcing, good to have you back aboard. Always, always good to be on with you, TJ. Nice to see you. And uh, thank you. And, and by the way, the last time I think Ken made his rounds on this podcast, we were talking tons about succession and the end of that show and the finale of that HBO <laughs> series. And Ken had the great line, you got to have your PhD in succession, which he and I both do. Probably a sickness on that front. Hello, Matt Zemick of uh, the USC Trojans Wire, uh, dot coms. Uh, Matt is also a national college football uh, writer, a national college basketball writer for over two decades tremendously well-versed on all sports, but right now is hip deep, if not neck deep in everything involving the Pac-12, Pac-12 realignment. He has broken himself away from all the debate about all of the, the different schools and scenarios that could be coming into the Pac-12. Matt Zimmick, welcome back aboard here for this roundtable to the Last Word on Sports Media podcast feed. Always a pleasure, and it's an honor to have my first media roundtable with Ken Fang. Uh, I love that's, that. That's a highlight. Fang's bites. We love that. Uh, also, my Tampa wingman. He's like the goose to my maverick, I think. I don't know how that works from Top Gun. Jason Powers of the Powers on Sports podcast. He's based in the Tampa Bay area. He and I have a lot of commonalities, and uh, he has love for sports media. Brother Powers, how you feeling? Good to have you on the program. 
appreciate me being allowed to be in the presence of greatness. <laughs> I don't know about that. We'll see if you say that here in about 20 or 30 minutes. If you still say that, let me prop up Jason's powers on sports podcast. Tremendous episode, my friend. I'm not just saying this on his most recent episode. He talked with a buddy of his that is now on the national scene with ESPN, but he grew up as childhood friends with Drew Felios. Drew does a lot of play-by-play for ESPN. Drew does a bunch of pickleball now as well, and nobody's laughing at pickleball coverage uh, anymore. But Drew's done college football, college basketball, et cetera, for years nationally. He is currently working the Special Olympics that have now concluded by the time this podcast is out and the Worldwide Special Olympics game. And let me just plug for Jason's most recent podcast as we release this one while I'm on summer vacation. Go back and hear he with Drew and with Dan O'Brien, the 1996 Olympic decathlete, as the two of them were covering the Special Olympics uh, in Berlin, the Worldwide Special Olympics Games on ESPN. Tremendous stuff, Jason. I'm propping you up. Great interview with Dan O'Brien, uh, who who obviously failed, if you don't know the story, failed to make the 1992 Olympic team in Barcelona uh, at the Olympic trials after they had this whole Reebok campaign of Dan O'Brien and another guy, Dave Johnson, as U.S. Uh, US uh, Olympic decathletes. But then he overcame that and won the gold in 96. I know in you Atlanta. had a blast in Atlanta, in Atlanta home at home soil, and you had a blast doing that podcast. And I just want to keep plugging that people need to go back it. and hear you with Drew and with Dan about all of that, including do I have a good tease? Dan and Drew went to dinner in Germany, and who was at the dinner table is tremendous. Let's don't ruin it, but who was at the dinner table with Drew and with gold medalist Dan O'Brien? I'm like, that's a who's who. I got to hear a 30-minute podcast on who was at dinner on that, Jason. One of the most famous teenage women in TV history. I'll give you a little teaser. <laughs> that is a tremendous tease. She came up to them in Germany at the Special Olympics dinner she's table. Part of the, she's part of the, the, the Special Olympics, Olympics and the, the event. worldwide event. It's tremendous. You need to go hear the podcast. How did we do on a tease? Hopefully that was good. Anyway, good. guys, appreciate you doing guys, that. guys, thank you. Okay, let's get to the uh, meat and potatoes. Ken Fang, if I say to you, you get to lead off. You are our Ricky okay. Henderson. You could be you could be ready to go deep right here. Uh, if I say to you, give me the first sports media story of 2023, the first half of the year, the first six months of the year that comes to mind. We're doing this organically. We did not rehearse it. Give me the one that comes to mind first for you, please. I got to go with Pat McAfee signing with ESPN. That is the huge, that is the big, for me, the big story of the year. I mean, actually, this is what I've done. This is my list. I have done this since January 1st. <laughs> I am getting ready for the year end. Okay. An awful okay. announcing. I, this is my list I already have on my iPhone. So I've, I've done it uh, in real time. And I have to go with Pat McAfee signing with ESPN. That is the big deal. Uh, he had a big deal with FanDuel. He decided to leave that, uh, go to the worldwide leader, go to Disney, uh, get that money in the midst of all the Disney layoffs at the same time. So I think for me, that is the top story of the of, of the half year. All right. So, so I'm joking with Ken. He did hold something up for those who can't see us. And it did have Pat McAfee in bold in, in like 86 font uh, above all the <laughs> other items that he had. On, I'm just kidding that he had on his list. Uh, can I have a quick question to you? How much did it surprise you that he's basically been an independent guy with an independent voice? Yes, he did the deal with FanDuel and got paid, but now he's going into what we would call corporate sports media world. Did it surprise you on the face that he would do a deal with a corporate media, not just with ESPN, but somebody like Fox 
or whomever and go more under that bigger umbrella? Did that surprise you, Ken? Yes and no. Uh, he's already has a deal with uh, ESPN and doing college game day on Saturdays. He's also doing some other stuff with them as well. Um, I think that um, president of ESPN uh, decided to go up and uh, uh, Jimmy Pataro decided to approach him and say, hey, look, what would you think about uh, having the whole umbrella under Disney? Yes. Is he going to be swarming? No, not as much as he as he does now, but he's still going to have a YouTube element. He's still going to be uh, taking a huge, a huge um, hour of uh, three hours uh, of midday on ESPN or ESPN two hasn't been decided yet, but I think it's going to be likely on ESPN. Uh, take a big uh, chunk of the midday, uh, and that's something ESPN doesn't have to worry about because they'd be doing Sports Center and Max Kellerman. So, and this is going to lead to Max Kellerman leaving ESPN down the line. But uh, I think that having Pat McAfee there and his listenership. And also his fans going over to ESPN, that's a big deal. Uh, and again, ESPN at the time that we're doing this is in the midst of changes, as Ken alluded to, that Max Kellerman's morning uh, ESPN radio show with Keyshawn Johnson and Jason Williams, Jay Williams, is being broken up. Uh, and so how many of those guys stick around in another role, take a pay cut, et cetera, that remains to be seen. Matt Zimmick, same kind of question to you. Thoughts on... Uh, on McAfee making the move to ESPN, and does it surprise you that he would go from, I don't want to say he could get away with almost anything, but he could basically have almost any conversation he wanted, and I don't know that that's going to be the case all the time with your when you're under the ESPN umbrella. Yes, it's mostly sports, but some of the avenues he would want to travel in and around sports, politics, culture, or whatever may be reined in. Thoughts, Matt Zimmick, about that sports story? Well, I mean, if you can be on ESPN, why wouldn't you want to go for it? Why wouldn't you want to test yourself uh, at that level on that stage? But of course, as you alluded to, like just ask Dan Levitard about being on ESPN. Just ask other, you know, very opinionated talkers about how their ESPN experience went. So like we're going to have a ship crashing against the rocks kind of moment at some point. It'll be interesting to see what happens when that moment unfolds. But like if you're McAfee, like, you, you want to see how far and, and how long this thing can go. Like, like you know, that's just natural curiosity. It's like exploring the Titanic, right? You want to oh. see, uh, see what the <laughs> limits are. You want to see what the limits are. And, and it could end in catastrophe, yeah. but, like, it's it's curiosity. Like, we are, we, are, we are driven to be curious like that. I keep using the phrase to bring it to something else. In the South, we call it rubbernecking, right, Jason, where we're driving along and there's a wreck. And you have to rubberneck and look back around and see the, the wrecked cars and who's hurt. There is a there is a factor to that. You want to see how much you can push the rubbernecking line. Same kind of question, Jason Powers. What do you make of this? I don't know if you're a fan of the McAfee content and the show. He obviously gets tremendous guests. I mean, at the time we're taping this, guys, he found out the news and info about Deion Sanders having to have emergency surgery um, on Thursday uh, for a blood clot in his groin. Pat found this out because of his connections and the A-list kind of guests he can get, and he's had uh, Deion Sanders on before. So there's no doubt there's value there. But, Jason, what are your what are your thoughts here on this move, just real quick, as we talk about a sports media story? You know, he's talked about now he, he just had a child not too long ago, four or five months ago. He's talking about maybe trying to scale back some of the bombastic behavior and things like that. What will be interesting to see is – the kind of guests, the co-hosts, you see Pac-Man Jones, you see some very guests with some with some baggage in their past. 
It's going to be interesting to see how long those guys are going to be allowed to be on ESPN, especially if they have any more transgressions or, you know, the language. That was another thing that was very concerning was the language he was allowed to use on YouTube. You can't use all that language on ESPN from 12 to 3. So that'll be interesting to see how that evolves um, with that. And, you know, if you're if you're McAfee, I think they really like him on game day. And I think I think ESPN just wants to keep him, you know, under the like you mentioned, under the umbrella. And, and that's a brand name. And and again, the other comparison is how bad can ESPN be if they're letting if they're paying McAfee what they're paying him, but yet they're letting all these other people go. How bad are the finances? Can they really be? How much is ESPN really telling us the truth on that? Well, that's another good point. So Ken Fang, just one more to circle back here to the story. How big a factor do you believe it is him being ingrained with college game day? One of the staple shows that ESPN has, especially in the football season. How how big was it um, in making this deal happen? How important was it to McAfee to keep that that relationship and be on that show as part of this deal? What do you make of that synergy with a, a college game day show that is irreverent a little bit at times around college football, but it's basically the straight laced college very profitable, pre, yeah, very, very profitable, profitable. free game show. So, right. what do you make of that, Ken? Right, um, and I had a phone call coming at the same time. So it was not. It that. was not ESPN trying to tell us to stop talking about Pat <laughs> no, McAfee. We no, verified luckily that. No. No. Luckily, no, no, no eight six zero number from uh, Connecticut. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so interestingly, I I think that's going to be a big deal to help that synergy to get say, hey, I'm going to be on College Game Day tomorrow. I'm going to be in Oklahoma, or I'm going to be in, in, in SEC country. Come see me out. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something there, and have his fans come over and flock over to it. Um, I foresee him eventually getting the lead Corso role, being the prognosticator, doing the picks at the end of the day, uh, end of the show. So I, I think that this is something that Pat looked at very carefully, looked at all his roads. Of course, he has a connection with WWE. He got, may go to ESPN down the line. So you never know. I think that um, he looked at everything and he saw that uh, what he could do there and how he could make be part of the ESPN and, and do a lot of synergy between his show and College Game Day and eventually with anything else down the line. Fair enough, and we covered that a bunch. Matt Zimmick, give me a sports story, and I think I know where you're headed. Maybe not. Do you? Again, we, did, Do you? we did not wow. rehearse this. I don't have it in front of me, so I have an idea of where you're headed, but maybe I'm wrong. Give me a sports story that comes to mind, sports media story for the first six months of 2023. Okay, well, we'll see if you're right, if you knew where I was going. Um, Peacock getting an NFL playoff game. <laughs> Ooh, exclusively i did not have that on my bingo card very nice this is why you're you continue and, on and also <laughs> washington michigan state getting a peacock exclusive game you know that's a high profile mm-hmm. college football non-conference game and so like this is like uh, the 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 creep of streaming into uh you know major broadcast offerings it's also notable that the Arsenal-Manchester City uh, Premier League game in late April, like that was the game of the whole season in the Premier League, and that was a Peacock exclusive. So you have NBC and USA uh, covering the Premier League, you know, from early August through the, the end of May, and the biggest game of the season, you could not find it on NBC or USA. So like big events becoming streaming only, it's a huge story. It's also a huge concern. And like, you know, so it invites the point. What are the numbers going to be for the Peacock exclusive games, especially that NFL playoff game? And are people going to pay up so that, you know, Comcast, NBC Universal and all the other corporations, you're like, is it worth it to have these things 
streaming only. Like that's a huge consideration going forward. I did have college football as the genre, but I didn't have okay. that from Matt Zimmick. I will say that yeah, it's going to circle credit, back something else. Michigan yeah, State. it does. It does count on that. Uh, Jason Powers to you here. There is no surprise that every entity is looking to go towards streaming. The NFL basically said, we understand and we accept we're going to have maybe 25% less audience, at least initially on Thursday night football, but we will take Jeff Bezos's money. We will take the billion dollars and we will let it be on a streaming outlet as an exclusive with Amazon prime on Thursday nights, your thoughts as everything starts to move to streaming and a lot of the bigger events move to streaming subscription outlets and off of the network that we're used to seeing stuff on. No, I mean, it's, and it, it's interesting is ESPN is pondering doing that as well, kind of separating themselves from the cable from and having their own platform at some point where it's just a, you could pay for just for ESPN. So I think that's probably coming down the road here sooner rather than later. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I'm one, you know, I, I love, I watch stuff, but I'm not going to pay for every single subscription service. So if I end up missing the P, if I don't have Peacock, which I don't at this point, I'm going to miss that playoff game. So it's going to be interesting to see what the reaction is going to be if the Peacock, especially the Peacock people in the playoff game, if they get a big time game that a lot of people don't get to see, it's going to be interesting to see what the reaction is that first year or two when that happens. And, uh, you know, Every one of these streaming services has to create value. And like you said, whether it's the soccer, the UEFA on CBS and Paramount mm-hmm. or, you know, world, who knows what's going to happen in the World Cup coverage down moving down the road, whether it's college football, every little angle, every little streaming service needs to find their niche to be able to create a little bit of value to whether it's college football or the NFL, or even the NBA is probably going to do some of that moving forward. We see baseball has an exclusive Peacock game on Sundays, Sunday, early, like 1130 Sunday Eastern time. They so. have a Friday night exclusive on Apple, Apple. Plus, correct, Apple TV. Every, every week as well. So the, baseball has definitely embraced this of, of moving exclusive and even YouTube. YouTube exclusive, if I have it correct, an Apple Plus exclusive, and a Peacock exclusive. I only have to keep up with three uh, subscriptions there to, to to make sure I see my national games. Besides what's MLB on MLB TV and MLB TV MLB. as well, that has a playoff games being on these subscription yes. services where everything and, and that's going to be the and an NFL playoff game, right. a standalone NFL right. playoff game, which by design is the only way to see it. Ken Fang, I want to bring you. In on this on this very same point and this very same question, uh, what uh, what do you make of this? In including the screaming that apparently sports leagues and entities, the NFL in particular, is willing to say, "We'll take the screaming. We'll we'll hear it, but we'll take it because we're just going to cash checks." Well, and I thought it was going to happen. I didn't think it was going to be this year. I didn't think it was. I thought it was going to be two or three years down the road. But you know, the NFL just kicked the tires and said, "Who's willing to pay us?" a a billion dollars on this or however, however much it was going to be. Um, I thought it was going to be Amazon first, but NBC and then universal came in and just said, Hey, we'll take it since you're offering it. We'll just take it. And they, in addition to that, the, the schedule when it came out was also announced that Peacock's going to get a Saturday night regular season playoff game. I thought it was going to be in London. So it shows, goes to show what I know, but uh, it, it, this is just, 
um, a progression of what the networks and leagues are doing. Matt and I have gone back and forth about the French Open being on, on Peacock, um, how much we don't like that. And they have an exclusive match on there every time. And I can see Matt just hiding his face on that. We have gone back and forth ad nauseum over the last three or four years over this. But it, it, is, a nat- it is a progression. I don't want to say natural, but it's a progression that the networks and the TV companies and the leagues are doing because they want to be part of that wave. And they know that's where the money is. And hopefully that's going to be for them. They're hoping that the money is going to be continuing there. And we'll see if the audiences migrate there too. We'll see what happens in January with that wildcard playoff game is on Saturday is on Saturday night um, for Peacock. And if I'm correct, they bid 105 or 110 million, something like that. Mm -hmm. Can correct me for a game for a game. game, They bid Mm -hmm. that. And again, the NFL is just going to count the money uh, and try to push people uh, that direction. Uh, Zimic and I, and I don't know, uh, Ken, you're about our contemporary, and Jason, you're probably about our contemporary. We're old enough, though, to remember that the early 90s of ESPN2, the early mid-90s of ESPN2, I still remember the absolute outrage when they put the North Carolina Duke basketball game yep. on ESPN2, mm-hmm. where <laughs> most of the country could not yeah. see it. And by design, I see you guys smiling and nodding, by design, they were trying to push people to ESPN2 and get them to absolutely rally, if not riot, at their cable operator at that time to to put ESPN2 in the lineup by putting big-time events on ESPN2. Matt Zimmick, give a quick thought on that. This is not dissimilar in that regard. I mean, the, it, some of the dynamics are, are, are similar, but, you know, the TV and streaming, like, it's not as though – uh, ESPN two was this, you know, a la carte, like this one channel offering. It was, you know, part of the tiers that, that were developing mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, what you get on a cable package from whatever, uh, service or provider with the streaming, it's a little bit more sliced up into finer molecular, uh, granular elements. And we've talked about this, like, are you going to get the Paramount and the Peacock and the ESPN and the MLB TV and YouTube Hulu. and and like and at Hulu some point and, and, you don't have an and, endless supply and of the bill for one hundred and forty nine extra dollars a month for all the right. things you were just listing for all the you know if you have yeah. eight or ten or twelve of them. Okay, so Matt, this leads me to one of the topics that I had, and Jason, I'm going to come back to you in just a second, but since Matt hit on it, are we going to see? And maybe is it the Pac-12 where you you uh, traipse through the whole Pac-12 scene and situation through US uh, USC and the Trojans Wire website through the USA Today websites and the Pac-12 trying to hang on to what it has? There's a lot of talk that they may do a streaming deal with an Apple Plus or with somebody for games. I see you shaking your head. No. No. Yeah. You know, yes. So are we headed there where a, a major college football conference, at least from now, at least for now, if the Pac-12 doesn't implode while this is happening, could put a, a a bundle of games, that's the term they love to use, of game of the week type games on a streaming service where if you don't pay them $9.95 or $14.95 a month, you can't see those games. What is your thought from a college football standpoint? Well, I mean, you would have to think that George Klyavkov and the Pac-12 are going to hook up with Amazon or Apple maybe a third outlet behind the scenes for a Pac-12 game of the week. And this can go one of two ways in my mind. I think the primary avenue and likelihood is a Thursday or Friday night game of the week, probably Friday since you have Amazon with the NFL on Thursdays. So I would say a Friday night game of the week, get a standalone because, you know, the Pac-12 played its conference championship game on Friday. It's very sensitive to not being buried by the Big Ten, the SEC, 
ACC championship games on the Saturday. So that's one avenue. But the other angle is the Amazon late night game of the week. So put it, put something on at midnight, you know, the Hawaii time slot on late Saturdays, doing things in a funky, fresh way to get, you know, more exclusivity. But on Saturday, like Klyavkov has to innovate. He can't play it safe if he wants to get a price point that's reasonably comparable to what Brett Yormark and the Big 12 did. I've also suggested on some of the podcasts that I do related to USC and the Pac-12, you know, every year there are like three or four NFL late windows, the 425 windows. There are three or four Sundays a year when that late window is garbage. You know, it's Cardinals, Raiders, and Rams, Jaguars, you know, just a dead window. There's no feature game. Put a Pac-12 game on at like 545, 6 Eastern. That ends pretty much right when the, the Sunday night game begins. Just like a three or four game deal with a broadcaster. The Pac-12 has to take those kinds of chances and be bold like that if it wants to get that competitive price point. Well, there's bold and there's taking on Godzilla. Uh, if, yeah. if Cardinals Raiders is not Godzilla, though. Well, yeah, I but mean, the you, NFL. You don't want to go up against a Fox game of the week between the right. Cowboys and the Eagles. But of course. There are like three or four Sundays a year when that afternoon window is dead. And that's where the Pac-12 needs to just Interesting. get a very select three or four game deal. Interesting stuff. Love Matt advancing that theory. Uh, all right, Jason Powers, I've waited long enough. I want to get your thought on a sports media top story that comes to mind for the first six months of this year. Again, we did not rehearse this. I don't know what this is. Hit me. Well, since I figured it would have been mentioned by now, but I'll go ahead and jump on the live mer- the live PGA merger. There we go. Um, because it's not just a United States story. It's a global story, how it affects Everybody from the European players, the European tour, the Saudi money, the thought of the Saudis are now going to try to get into other sports other than golf. We know they're already involved in some in, in some you know corporate business stuff, but they're going to be involved in the Premier League. At some point, they're probably going to buy an, a, a stake in, in an American sports franchise in one of the big leagues. So just that whole dynamic of – and then ultimately, once we hear from the PGA – how is it going to be structured? Who's going to be in charge? Is, are the Saudis going to be calling all the shots or is it going to be more of the Saudi money, but the US PGA tour people are going to be calling the shots. And to me, that's the, the dynamic. And it's not just a US story. It's a global story. Oh, no doubt. And just to piggyback on what you're saying at the time we're doing this podcast and we're releasing it now at the end of June, they still haven't laid out the PGA tour to their own players. And can I see you shaking your head? No, too. They haven't laid out to their own players what this agreement means and what this combined idea means for 2024 and the future. Again, I am on the front end that I believe the live golf series will stay intact, not just for the rest of this year, but for 2024, I believe they're committed to that. And what will be interesting and Ken Fang, I want your thought on this. I believe it will help the live golf series, get a better TV partner. Cause part of their argument was, is currently, that the PGA tour was leaning on everybody from advertisers to players, to TV networks of don't help these guys out. And now that's presumably lifted. There's a piece, there's a truce. And so live golf may end up on a better outlet. I'm not saying it's a huge television windfall for them, but it may end up on a better outlet coming up. What's your thought to all of that? Ken Fang. Well, it was interesting how this whole thing came out. It looked like there was a, a, it was announced on CNBC of all places. Um, the, 
you had Jay Monahan. You also had uh, the the head of the of the of the public interest fund uh, there as well. Um, I it was a memorandum. It was a memorandum of understanding. It was not signed as of yet. They still have to get all these details. Uh, the 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 T's crossed and the I's dotted. It's still not there yet. Again, they don't even have it on paper what it is. He is for no, two weeks, no. he, and, and now Monahan is gone, and that's a whole other subject that we're not going to go down yeah. the rabbit hole, but he's gone at the moment. But they had a players meeting in your part of the world, Ken. You're in the Northeast. They, they are playing the PGA Tour event. As we release this podcast, we come off the weekend where they've played the event in Hartford, Connecticut, um, mm-hmm. there for this week. And they had a players meeting midweek where nothing else was explained. No, don't they don't have an idea of what this is. They can't explain it to their own people yet. It basically was we know we can't win the fight with the Saudis in a money versus money fight. So we need to call a truce in the short term. We need a truce and then we'll figure out the rest. Pick up on that, Ken. Again, one more. Yeah. Yeah, and there's also the the factor that the Department of Justice is going to get involved in this because it is uh, it is the investment into uh, a foreign investment into an American company, so they have to look at that. And there's also the possibility of antitrust issues because you're right. also combining two tours. So this is not over yet. This is by by all means, even though this is just the beginning. We have not even hit the middle. We haven't even hit the finish. We haven't even hit the start line. We are stretching right now. We are we are doing all the all the things to get get this going. So um, it's going to be a long process for this to go over. It's not a fatal complete yet. It's not done, and just uh, it's going to be continue. I think it, even at this time next year, I think I agree. The live golf is going to be around for twenty twenty four. I still think it's going to be on the CW for next year. Still going to be a time buy. But um, of course, I'm very I could be very wrong on that. But still, at this point, um, it's not even at the start starting line. It's 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 not even close to it yet. And part of the anti-competitive argument would be you got to have separate tours, at least in the short term, to get this approved. There's a PGA tour. There's a live golf series. There's a DP Mm -hmm. world tour, because if it's a one combined entity thing, there is no more competition. And we should just say this without going deep into the weeds for another 10 minutes. The Department of Justice has previously rejected massive mergers. Uh, a couple of them are airline mergers, the one with JetBlue and Spirit Airline. They said Spirit Airlines, they said nope, can't do it. It's anti-competitive. It makes you too big on that. Well, just, purchase. Doing it, just, just the name Spirit alone, you'd have to reject it. So. Yeah, Spirit Spirit Airlines is not, yeah, not necessarily recommended by Ken and many others. Uh also the same with ATT trying to buy out T-Mobile. And those are still separate brands to this day because the Department of Justice said, nope, it makes you too powerful. It makes you too big. It's anti-competitive. We're not going to let it happen. So those are two examples that just illuminate. Not a foregone conclusion that whatever this is, I, I, the only thing I come back to, Matt, just give me a quick, quick thought on Jason's point, and then we'll move on, uh, is that they almost rushed this and rushed the announcement because the media, here we come back to the media, was about to to put things out about this and was going to find out about this because uh, people were getting wind of some kind of conversation uh, a, as it goes. And then it ends up on CNBC. What a what a get for the financial channel, for Universal's financial channel, Comcast financial channel, CNBC, to get the get of having those guys sit there. I mean, that is one of the moments of the last few years in sports media that nobody saw coming. Nobody had that in advance. It was crazy that suddenly they're sitting there. This is 
This is McDonald's and Burger King sitting next to each other. Coke and Pepsi sitting next. Ken, I need a succession reference. This is this is the Roy's <laughs> and I don't know who sitting next to each other, smiling on TV that they have right. a deal uh, on this. Uh, very, very strange. Uh, but Matt, just uh, one more thought there to bring you in on uh, on the, the breaking of that story and that story being under wraps right until that moment. That is a massive sports media get by CNBC for the first half of this year. It was a huge get. I mean, one thing that strikes me about all this is that, you know, everyone just felt ambushed in the golf industry, at least from what I could tell. Like, it was just everyone was blindsided. And, of course, you had the dynamic of lots of high-profile golf commentators, you know, being appalled by this. Uh, you know, the, the, the LIV, you know, over the past several months because of the involvement of the Saudis. And now with the Saudis owning, or at least trying to own uh, the PGA Tour, they're like, they, like they have to basically shut up. And like Brandel Chambly, like if if this thing goes through, his career's done. Yeah, he's because of, because of an ownership change. Like there are several really unique pieces to this in terms of media careers. Uh, it, it's really a story unlike anything I've ever seen. And really what you're touching on, too, and we won't go back to it, but I mean, for CBS, for NBC, as major broadcasters of golf to have gone hand in hand with the PGA Tour down the road of Saudi blood money, allowing it to be on their airwaves, allowing it to be said, the 9-11 families protesting and allow that go on. And they didn't even know. They weren't even notified. They weren't even told. And now you got you got to mess with multi-year rights partners. I mean, the PGA Tours got deals into the 2030s with CBS and with NBC as it stands right now that you've got to smooth that over uh, also. All right, few moments left uh, here for the roundtable. I want to come back to college football, the expansion of the college football playoff, which is now ratified. Uh, this will be the final year where we only have a four-team, three-game playoff. They have now ratified it. It's now official that starting in 2024, it's now going to be a 12-team, 11-game playoff. Quickly around the room, Powers, does this so dilute the end of the regular season for you that now all that people will be paying attention to are the four weeks of the playoffs? That's my that's my thought about college football. The second season is now here in college football. I think that's one of the big stories of the first half of this year. They ratified it. It will go into effect next year because of contracts. It'll go into effect 2024. What about the college football playoff expansion diluting the end of the regular season? It will to, to some degree for the couple big power conferences. My, one of my interesting things is how is the mid the mid major teams going to rise? The Boise States of the world, the teams that are not necessarily in the power three or four conferences that are going to have at least one opportunity to get into this playoff most every year. You know how are those kind of programs going to position themselves to be able to do that? Whether it's the, whether it's how they handle NIL, whether it's you know that's going to be an interesting part of this to me because because you're still going to have. The Alabamas and the Ohio States of the world most years going to be in the mix, but it's how will the Boise States of the world, the teams that get left out of the Power Five conferences, how do they react and or how do they position themselves? The USFs of the world, we're here in Tampa, where a USF every few years is, has the will have the ability to rise up and make that playoff as kind of the the David versus Goliath. Sure, if you're a Mountain West program, an American Athletic Conference program, and what's interesting is programs like Houston or UCF that kind of rose up into the college football bowl. Uh, New Year's Six Bowls, if not trying to get into the playoff, they're now part of the power conferences. So it makes up uh, just around the room. I'm going to come back to Matt, but uh, Ken Feng, is it 
Is it going to dilute the end of the regular season that we now have 11 playoff games, a 12-team playoff? Uh, because I, I am of the staunch belief that it is. I've tainted it. I put it out there. Do you disagree with me? No, I, I and it's going to be interesting because now those conference championships games, which were so important, those two teams that are in there, especially for the SEC and the Big Ten, you're probably going to see those two teams that are going to be in the, uh, into the conference to the uh, college football playoff anyway. So, how much importance is are we going to have on those conference on those conference championship games? Are they going to be rendered obsolete? Because again, like the like the uh, college basketball tournament. How many teams of the SEC and Big Ten are going to be going into the college football playoffs? So that's one thing I want to be looking at, especially when that comes in. And now Bill Hancock doesn't have to worry about it because he's leaving. Yes, he has decided that's it. He's going to retire at the end of uh, next year and be a consultant, uh, the executive director of the college football playoff. Matt, back to you on, again, my premise that, again, the last regular season Saturday and the conference championship games, they were always so thrilling on who's going to make the four-team playoff or the biggest bowl games. For 50, 60 years, this is what we've cared about. Now, if you can get to the last week of November and you're a power school and you're undefeated, you know you're in. You, it doesn't matter what you really do. It can it can help the fact that you might get a bye. It can help the fact that you get to host a playoff game if you're in the five versus 12 slots. But you're in. You already know you're in because if you're undefeated and up in the top two or three, you're not going to fall beyond 12. You're going to get in the playoff. My thought on that, uh, your response, please, Matt, on the expansion. Yeah, so if you're 11-0 and 0 through 11, it doesn't matter what you do in game 12. But if you're 10-1, and 1, that 12th game and then your 13th game is going to matter. Like 10-2 and 2 is going to be the inflection point. 10-2, and 2, you know, you have two or three 10-2 and 2 teams that's going to be the debate for the at-large bids. You know, no one's questioning that if a power five team is 11 and one, of course that team's getting in, but it's going to be those 10 and two teams or nine and two teams going into the 12th game. That's where it's really going to matter. And I don't think it's going to dilute because when you think about college football in a larger sense, consider, you know, the way the postseason used to be with just the classic bowl system. I give you a representative example, 1983. You had number one, Nebraska, against number five, Miami, over there in the Orange Bowl. You had number three, Auburn, against number eight, Michigan, in New Orleans in the Sugar. You had number four, Illinois, playing UCLA in the Rose Bowl. And you had number two, Texas, against number seven, Georgia, in the Cotton. So you had more teams entering New Year's Day, or in 84, it was January 2. Uh, you had more teams entering New Year's Day in the national championship conversation, like if the dominoes fell or if, you know, to use a price is right image, if that Plinko chip <laughs> just fell precisely in the spot between the pegs yes. and landed on that $10,000 in the middle, you know, if everything fell just right and like it did fall just right for number five, Miami beating Nebraska, number two, Texas loses number three, Auburn barely beat Michigan nine, seven in a very ugly game. Number four, Illinois gets blown out. Yep. So like, Number five won the national title. You would not have that under the four-team playoff. And so it's the concept of more teams are in play, more fan bases are interested. You had that with the old New Year's Day Bowl set up in the 1980s. So with the 12-team playoff, of course, Alabama is going to be in. Of course, Georgia is going to be in. But those various 9-2, and 10-1 and one sure. teams – Going into a game 12, all those fan bases are going to be interested. So in many ways, because it's not four, it's 12, you're actually going to have more interest along those lines. And I know that most of us hate the SEC, but uh, 
some free advice for Greg Sankey. And I wonder, I'm interested in Ken's take on this. You know, the SEC did not give ESPN and Disney a ninth SEC game. And that personally surprised me. I thought that was going to happen, but it didn't. You said the key word. You said the key word, give, give. They're not giving (laughs) anything. They want to be paid for that ninth game. Keep going. ESPN didn't insist on the contractual flexibility wasn't there. And that's on ESPN Disney. But it was only a one-year thing. You know, the Big Ten's doing these two-year grids, 24, 25. Then there's going to be a 26, 27 grid. So the Big Ten's having these multi-year blocks. But the SEC, I think, is going to do another one-year scheduling format in 2025, having done a agreed to a one-year scheduling format for 24. Anyway, want to get Ken's take on this. Here's a way for ES for the SEC to give ESPN and Disney a ninth SEC game and yet print a whole lot of money. In 2025, and Ken mentioned this, that the conference championship game now is not going to mean what it once did. Instead of a conference championship game, you have what's called the SEC playoff. So you're not having the top two teams. You use that SEC championship slot to have like your third and fourth teams in what's basically a play-in game. Mm -hmm. And you have that game and then several other flexed games that same weekend and that's how you get a ninth SEC game, and you and you arrange that with ESPN Disney, and you're going to make a whole lot of money in the interesting. SEC. So, in other words, if I understand your theory, they would have a blank schedule for that yes. week and determine yes. that previous weekend. Here are the matchups to try to help us get an extra team or two in the playoff. Ken Fang, what do you make of that suggestion? That's interesting. Well, well, ESPN will throw a boatload of money for that because they are SEC heavy and they are the SEC network anyway. So, right. uh, and they're going to be taking over the SEC on uh, from CBS and they're going to put that on ABC in 2024. So, why not have that ready for 2025? So, I think that's a great wow. idea. I, it's something that um, I, I would think that Matt, uh, you need to uh, somehow <laughs> call ESPN and Jimmy Pitaro and get get a consulting fee for that one because uh, they're going to take that and run with it. Yeah, they may I be kicking that income. around. Yeah, they could maybe be kicking that around. Powers, did you have one more thought on all that that was being said? I do. What I'm going to be interested to see, too, is with all the NIL and all the money in the, into this now 12-game playoff, will the players, like in the NFL, will the players that are in playoff games get a playoff share? Mm. Like in the NFL, they well, get playoff right. shares. Will everybody that's participating for each team get some version of a playoff share for each round that they advance to help – the finances a little bit. Now they're playing extra game. Going to have to play what at least four games to win the title. If you're the Correct. 12th seed, you'd have to play potentially four games to win a title as opposed to two. Now, will these guys now negotiate a playoff share as part of playoff participation? All, all great points on this. And again, it's worth noting that this was the last stronghold by one network over a championship uh, the way in, in U.S. or North American sports, um, the way that it used to be. It used to be that one network uh, would would lord over the entire postseason of whatever sport it is. The last two holdouts were NBC with the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, as the exclusive home of the Stanley Cup playoffs. That split up over the last two years to both ESPN and Turner And now the last holdout is ESPN has had the college football playoff, only three games to itself. It's going to expand to 11 games and 12 teams. And now there's going to be a split bid situation where somebody else is televising 
whether that's Fox, Turner, all the other ones that come in to televise, um, it's no longer just ESPNs all alone. So it's interesting on that uh, dynamic and all of that will go into play. All right, so one more time, Ken, I saw that list you had. I know we've gone for a little while here, longer than longer than I promised you guys, but you've been great with me. Is there anything on the Ken Fang list that deserves like 60, 90 seconds, two minutes more for a sports story of 2023's first half, first six months that we didn't cover? Is there something well, we left out? I'm going to say it's going to be the regional sports network implosion. Yes. We've seen it already with Bally's and uh, Diamond Sports and uh, the San Diego Padres. Uh, the day of this taping, uh, they have already announced that they are withdrawing their um, contract from, with the Arizona Diamondbacks. So we'll likely see a MLB come in and take over that as well. And, of course, we're seeing uh, teams like the Utah Jazz, the Vegas Golden Knights, knowing that their regional networks are going with AT&T. They're going to they've been signing with broadcast stations. The Phoenix Suns are trying to do that. The uh, are trying to do that as well. So I'm going to it's going to be interesting to see over this next 12 months and six months, how many more teams and leagues uh, leave the regional sports network and see how many of them go to broadcast. It's a great point, and, and it's a complicated mess that we could sit here for another five minutes and try to explain, but the, the bottom line, boil it down to, is Diamond Sports is trying to walk away from as many of these deals that they don't want. And I, I for the life of me, cannot figure out why the MLB teams haven't risen up together, uh, and maybe it's because of bankruptcy, but to sue them for breach of contract of, you're not paying us our rights fee while you've been televising the games. All right, but it's going to get even bigger, guys, because as this summer becomes like August and September, Diamond uh, Sports and Bally's aren't paying NBA and NF uh, NHL teams either in a lot of these markets. They all got their money for 2022-2023, but they don't have money yet for the upcoming 23-24 season, and a lot of them aren't going to get their money. This mess is going to extend to a fight with NBA teams in these different markets and NHL teams and games you can't see. Stay tuned for what a mess this is to straighten out. You're right, the regional sports network component, uh, and that is apparently just going to go away in pieces or maybe shatter altogether later this year uh, with this. But, I mean, it, it affects markets like Tampa uh, that have the Rays and the Lightning and also have the Orlando Magic games on that are in Orlando, but it affects – Cincinnati, where the where right. the uh, the Reds are, it affects Minnesota, where they have the Timberwolves and have the Twins. It affects Dallas, that has the Mavericks and the Stars and the Rangers. It, it's it's affecting numerous different sports and teams in the same market. And I'm just saying, I know what's coming. I can tell from everything that I've read that what's coming is NBA and NHL games that aren't going to be on these outlets, and they got to figure out what to do. Because Diamond Sports is not going to pay them either. They have no money. What a mess. Uh, again, I could go on and on with you guys. You gave me uh, great stuff here. Once again, thank you. And closing comments. Thank you, Ken Fang, for hanging. Anything else in closing on the first half of this year? Uh, I think we've covered the, the top stories of so far the six months. Great to be on with you guys. Matt, great to finally be talking to you in person. It's been, a, it's been, too, it's been too long. Yes. Sports. Uh, sports. sports. Yes. Sports. <laughs> Matt Zimmick, you were great. I want them to keep reading Trojans Wire because who knows? Again, I'm releasing this podcast and there may have already been Pac-12 news when we taped this late last week. 
There may already be Pac-12 news that Matt's been writing about, and you're going to be all over it on where are they headed? Is San Diego State part of it? Is SMU part of the Pac-12? You're writing all about the Pac-12 and USC with the slant at Trojans Wire right now. Trojans Wire, the website from USA Today Sports. Anything else that I left out and that you want to plug away on? Yeah, no, just 20 seconds. My backup story, my number two story, is that when you watch NFL commentators, they care about all NFL teams. NHL, MLB, they care about all uh, of their teams. When you watch NBA commentators, they care more about the Celtics and the Lakers than the Denver Nuggets. That's a major media story from the first half of this year. Very true. And and when you have them openly admitting, we don't really know that much about Nikola Jokic and the Denver. That's a media scandal and and deserves more attention. And and really, and it's a sport, and I know this is the point you're making, where the Milwaukee Bucks won the title a couple years ago, and we had to learn about them. And the Toronto Raptors won it four years ago, and we had to learn about them. And it's we don't have this problem in the other three Good points. Good point. Mad Zimmick, great stuff. Jason Powers, anything else in closing here that we left off real quick? We're going to look forward to hearing your vacation stories from NASA. I know you're heading that way <laughs> to that side of the state. Okay, I just I just have to say this if I didn't share it with you already. It might be cheaper with my 15-year-old twins to send them to NASA to be astronauts than it is to take the tour. I mean, Ken, Matt, Jason Powers, I still remember as a kid getting to go to NASA, and I want to say it was free for kids to take the tour, to go see the space shuttle, to see the launching pad. It ain't free anymore, baby. I mean, we may have to drop like five, five large, six large to go take the NASA tour. Are you kidding me? So vacation may set us back a little bit, but I'm on vacation this week. And you guys did a fantastic job helping me here uh, on the Last Word on Sports media podcast with the top stories of the first six months of this year. Ken Fang of Awful Announcing. Thank you, my friend. Great stuff. Good to be back with you. Great to be on with you, TJ. Always fun, and let's do it again. Matt Zimmick, USA uh, Today's Trojans Wire website, uh, trojanswire.usatoday.com. Love the insight on the Trojans of Pac-12 and everything else. Thank you, Matt Zimmick, as always. Thank you, and thank you for putting me on with Ken Fang. It's been a long time. I love it. Jason Powers, Powers on Sports Podcast. Got great content. Uh, Always love you being my Tampa Bay uh, wingman, my Robin to my Batman whenever you jump on. Thank you, Jason Powers. 40 days to Bucks training camp. Look forward to the Baker Mayfield. Not that anyone's keeping track or anything. Baker Mayfield (laughs) versus Kyle Trask. Slightly different than Tom Brady at the helm. We shall see what happens with that camp battle. Uh, coming up. Guys, thank you. And we thank all of you for listening here to a special edition of the Last Word on Sports Media Podcast. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.